Welcome to Draw One Last Breath Horror Podcast. My name's Matt. I'm Butch. And I'm Jolly Paul. Welcome to episode 112. On this episode, we have been to the cinema to see Fall. In our Something to Scream About, Paul had an interview with Will Hygo, who directed the movie The Group, shown at this year's Fright Fest. And also, we'll be doing our movie from the vault, which is 1998's The Ring. Also known as Ringo. How are you doing? Ringo? Yeah. Rungo? Ringo. Yeah, mate. I, 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 don't I don't know if I fucking rock, watched the right one. I'm open. I did. I watched oh, yeah, the right I, on Prime, but there's like, uh, I got to have a chat about this later. There's, 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 uh, yeah, we'll have a chat about this later. Anyway, how the devil are you guys doing? <laughs> I don't know about you, lads, but I'm suffering proper fry fest blues. Oh, I want to go back gosh. to London and watch loads of horror films, please. <laughs> and eat Greg's really... every day. Yeah, it's really bumming me out. <laughs> but other than that, I'm fine. Well, I filled my couple of weeks up with some absolute treats. So, uh, you know, let me run through my little uh, my little letterbox, as it were. There we go. <laughs> Sit down and relax. Um, I watched a film called Glorious, um, which you can find on Shudder. Did you watch that one as well, uh, Jordy Paul? No, I, I clicked on it and started it, but I just I got distracted. There's something happened in the house. I, I it's the it's the it's the one with the poster where he's got a arm in his hand, doesn't it? Severed arm in his hand. Yeah, no, that's the Ryan Quentin. It's uh, the guy from uh, uh, who played. No, he was in um, True Blood. Um, it's a weird. It's a weird one. Um, it it's sort of like it's. He's, he's sort of mainly set in a toilet with him talking to some kind of deity, um, in, in, which looks like some kind of glory hole that he can, he's not allowed to look through. It looks it's fucking weird. At one point, he does actually try to stick his cock through the glory hole. So, yeah, a bit, a bit weird. I'm, I'm sold on that. I'm gonna watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fucking great. Five stars. Nice. <laughs> that's my uh, little synopsis for that one. Um, who invited them? I watched. I watched this as well. Yeah, well, I saw a lot of um, a lot of like people watching it, so I thought, go on then, I'll give it a go. What, what that was f- on a fry fest, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, it was on a fry fest. A couple, of, I heard a couple of people talking about it, saying it was really good. It was a quick it was release. On one of the Discovery screens. Quick release on Shutter then, because yeah. what, what do you think, Matt? I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. It's like um, yeah. I mean, the 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 two the centered around were pretty annoying but i think they were supposed to be weren't they yeah but it was it was different the atom was cool yeah I liked, I liked the little premise of it but obviously i saw i'm not gonna let anything out but i saw the ending obviously a mile off like but it's good for what it was it was okay it was, it was a good watch i can totally see why it was at fright fest though completely because i thought when i was watching it i thought this probably would have gone down pretty well at fright fest <laughs> well that's good then we've already ticked off another movie <laughs> it's great. We used to have. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, I, I did also watch the movie that came out a couple of years ago. We never got around to watching it, um, but it did have a cool poster, The Night House. I watched right. that on, uh, I think it's Amazon Prime. Um, it's it's really good. It's like a woman lost her um, husband, and she starts seeing like really ghostly figures. It was sort of like he got he like shot himself on a boat. And she's sort of under, undercover. It's got some good, like, weird, weird shots. It's almost like some aspects of the Invisible Man as well. It's, it's, there's some really, there was a, and there was a really dark, dark bit right at the end. So it, it's definitely worth a watch. It's, 
it's actually starring like Rebecca Hall as well. So it's well acted, well well produced, really good one that. Um, I came by. That's on Netflix. It was number one for a bit. No idea how. No, it's starring the chap from um, who was in Dunkirk. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Bonneville. Yeah, from, from Downton Abbey. Oh, well, I was going to say Paddington. Dunkirk. Well, yeah, okay, and it also the young chap from Dunkirk as well. Who was the main guy? Who was sort of the main guy? Do you know, you know what I mean? He was the one. Uh, Barry Yorn, is it? Yeah, he's the main uh, like graffiti artist and stuff like that. So. The Joker. The Joker, yeah. Um, Joker. And then it stars um, Kelly McDonald as well from um, Trainspot. And obviously a lot of other things now. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't bad. It was just like it, it, watching him as like a, a serial killer or a potential serial killer was interesting. The guy from Downton Abbey. But yeah, that was worth a watch. And me and Matt. Watched the Retaliators last night. What did you think of that, dude? Uh, yeah, it was um, it was interesting one that because um, it, it was only shown for one night, so it's like everywhere in the country is only showing that one night. Um, but there was quite a few people in our show, weren't there? Yeah, it was. I, was, I liked it. It was quite full. Um, it had a good start, very good start. W- bit of a weird end. Stars like a plethora of like. Uh, artists like from papa roach to five finger death punch and stuff like that so there's an interesting soundtrack um and had a really good ending the middle was a bit like i'm gonna get my friends in a horror movie but you know I mean, the whole film was like that but yeah it, it was all right i mean the, the storyline was quite cool quite strong but it, it did take a while to get going didn't it but it does pay off so it's definitely worth a watch when it comes out and i'm gu- guessing we all watched the group because we got a screener so we watched that as well so um we'll hear more about that later with uh from uh will Higo, which is great anyone else cool what? all right well i'll go i have i didn't watch a ton of stuff i've had a couple of busy really busy weeks since fire fest so uh but i did complete my homework assignment which i kind of set for myself uh but uh, i finally guys watched the book of monsters nice oh. and yeah really enjoyed it really 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 enjoyed it very very good um it's amazing actually what they did with obviously what they had um and uh, some really good interesting creatures i thought like the the first like scenes of it where the, the mother gets dragged under the bed spoilers um was really really good and intense and then i did actually quite like the little demonic garden gnomes i thought they were quite funny yeah the gnomes are great <laughs> but yeah it was i did i enjoyed it so thanks for that recommendation uh and then i watched one on arrow player which I sort of picked up, you know, at Fright Fest when they do the trailer and you see the same trailer about 20 million times. Well, this was what one called Hounds of Love, so I thought I'll just stick this one on. Not really horror, but it's about, uh, it's an Australian film um, about a couple who are abducting girls. Um, do you know what? Of... I always pick this up at work at the Arrow sale and I always think, ah, oh, read the back and it's really interesting. I've always wanted to see it. It's 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 good. It's not amazing. It's not amazing. Yeah, I thought it was going to go different places. I mean, a couple of films we've watched recently go different places. Uh, <coughs> barbarian. Uh, but um, this one sort of didn't. It was a pretty much straight film, which, uh, but it was really well acted, really well shot. Again, that type of style, that type of film, and that makes you feel really dirty watching it. Do you know what I mean? Like sticky and a bit sweaty and stuff. So, But yeah, really good. Um, so yeah, definitely worth a watch. Um, 
And then the only really other thing sort of horror related, but I just thought I would mention it. I know I sort of texted you about it, but uh, I haven't seen the full series yet. So please don't spoil it if you have. But the Sandman, oh my God. I had to stop at episode six because it actually made me cry. Oh, yeah, nothing makes you cry. Nothing makes me cry. And literally, um, I was crying at this. There's a couple of scenes in it in this latest episode which set me off, and I just thought it was well done. So I've had actually, do you know what? It impacted me that much that I've actually had a break from it just so I can go back in and finish it off. But oh my God, it just goes from strength to strength. Phenomenal series, so yeah, not important fiction that oh. one, but I just thought I'd give that a mention. So yeah, I, might, that I, was I, me. might, I might carry on with that then because I've only done like first episode. Come on, dude, pull the finger out. Well, well episode uh, five, the one before it, is like picks. a little self contained horror film. It's such a it's so well done, so definitely check episode five out. Uh, I, I will carry on on the recommendation that you two have, have um kissed the ass of it so much. <laughs> 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 well, very rare me and butcher agree on something like this so <laughs> it must be good <laughs> well ba- basically all the things i've watched i I actually watched some stuff this week which is already talked about so <laughs> <laughs> but i have watched i did watch i have caught up on game of thrones which is fucking awesome yeah enjoying uh, that yeah enjoying that a lot and you know no spoilers but episode three fuck me um yeah, so um yeah, that's all I've pretty much been doing all all the time really. Really. Right then, let's get on to some bloody news. I'm gonna go first today. <laughs> well, well I'll tell you what, we'll do a bit of news each. I'll do a bit, then somebody else does a bit, okay? All right, cool. So my first bit of news is uh that I don't know if you know about, but there is a release date for Barbarian in Ooh. the UK. It's getting a UK theatre release, yeah. isn't it? I do believe, I think it's the 27th of October. 27th, okay. That's yeah. Thursday. Sure, that's not the 28th. Might be the 28th, I don't know. I thought I read the 27th, but if you know better, Butch, I'm sure it's right. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's out that weekend anyway. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, take over. Um, some exciting, a really exciting announcement. Um, Maxine has been announced. A24 has announced a third movie in Ty West X franchise. So we're getting Pearl in a, in a couple of weeks at the cinema, um, which is the sort of prequel uh, all about Maxine. And we're getting another one called, um, called no, sorry, Pearl's the one about Pearl. My bad. But Maxine is all about. The, the girl who escaped at the end. Fuck Spoilers it, for anybody who hasn't watched it out there. <laughs> ah, fuck you, if you haven't. That's the fuck one of the best movies of this year. So, yeah, Mia Goff comes back again. Well, she's done well yeah, out of this fucking character, isn't she? The title's really good, isn't it? Because it's Maxine with three X, triple X's. Yeah, yeah a little, sn- little snarrow. She obviously escaped. Spoilers. And um, she's going off uh, to pursue a porn career still so god knows what's going to happen there but there's a further announcement alongside that um there's a casting call um for a competition an online competition to appear in the movie um i think what you need to do to apply is reenact the final standoff between pearl and maxine and x (laughs) and participants should submit their auditions on tiktok twitter or instagram using the hashtag 
hashtag X casting call. All the submissions must be received by September the 28th, 2022. Right. Which one of you is going to play Mia Goff? <laughs> I mean, they're both Mia Goff. Oh, yeah. OK. Which one's <laughs> going to be the old lady? <laughs> is she, oh, she doesn't gummer, does she? Um, I don't remember how that ended now. How did it end? Fucking. I know how it ended, but I don't want to ruin it for everyone out there. Okay. She, one of them gets she gets shot in the belly and then run over by a truck. Or you could just spoil it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> been out. Been out. It's out on Blu-ray. It's been out in the cinema. Go watch it, douchebags, if you haven't already. Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's my news. Go on, Paul. Jordy, Paul, over to you. Okay, so that was my main bit of news. Thanks for that, Paul. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to pick. I've got quite a bit this week. So anyway, uh, there's been a. Henry Selick, the director of uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas, has teamed up with our favourite Jordan Peele, and they are doing a new stop, well, they've done a new stop motion uh, animation. The trailer uh, looks fucking amazing. Yeah, it's called Wendell and Wild, and obviously stars Key and Peele um, as the demons, and it looks very, it looks like a bit like a cross between Coraline and A Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, that's it, looks, it looks quite dark, so. Um, really looking forward to it so i think that's out halloween weekend so yeah looking forward to that on netflix Ooh, yes nice over to me uh so the remake of evil deads uh by our old mate uh Fede alvarez is coming out on a 4k release apparently with both both cuts so announced earlier this year um it is coming out on september the 27th on 4k whether it comes into the uk i don't know it's probably only america but i'd love that on 4k would be lovely nice butch uh has anyone seen the new trailer for vhs 99 that dropped today no no it's only about a 38 second teaser trailer but yeah a bit 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 joyous it's fucking graphic it looks explosive, it looks awesome, and it looks gory as fuck in the hell. And it sort of looks like it's all um, back to the fact that it's really concentrated on the fact that it is the year 99. Um, back to, like, the final punk rock um, analogue days of VHS. It's sort of really sort of driving it in. I guess this might be their last sort of ditch for it to sort of knock, the, knock it on the head, maybe, because it is like, you know, say goodbye to the VHS. And it is really dramatic in terms of that 38 seconds. So... That one is dropping on October the 20th on Shudder everywhere. So in the UK as well. So like 94, Hail Ratma. We're really looking forward to this one. Fucking right. Nice one. Um, Okay, Uh, I have... um, I can't believe you didn't say this, but I'm going to. Obviously, Disney Expo was last week. Released a ton of footage on various different shows that we all know and love. But also did a lovely Taylor Tracer for marvel's werewolf by night what is this what is it I don't know but it looks absolutely astounding <laughs> no it's man a, yeah there's a there's actually a character obviously called werewolf by night in the marvel comics and it's basically marvel's wolfman that's essentially what wow. it is but oh my god the trailer was so universal horror yeah. monsters from the 40s it was unbelievable it fucking and there was incredible. blood splattering in it there's all it just looks really hammy but it looks really really well done so obviously I know they're churning out content, but it just it really sort of uh, piqued me interest because it just looked doesn't really give a lot of weight, but looks great. And Again, I'm, it looks apparently swamp things in it. 
a man things in it as well. Man thing. It, it, it was it's a great surprise because I had no inkling. Yeah. I di- I didn't know about this co- this like uh, this bit of property. So it's fucking great, man. I'm well into this. Is it is it a series or a movie? It's series Disney Plus. And it's be, when do you know? Do we know when it's dropping? I don't. I don't know when it's dropping. Now is it, I don't is know it if this, it'll be next next this, year. Is it? Because I was hoping it might be this side of Christmas, but anyway, never mind. Okay, so. Joe Bigos's new movie. You guys seen anything about this? No. So it's um. I'm hopefully it'll be coming out at Christmas. It's called Christmas Bloody Christmas. <laughs> Great title. I'm just gonna give you a synopsis. That I've, that I've the only thing I've really found. Um, it says it's Christmas Eve and Tori just wants to get drunk and party, but when a robotic Santa Claus at a nearby toy store goes haywire and begins a rampant killing spree. Through her small town, she's forced into battle for survival. Sounds fucking awesome to me, mate. And um, <laughs> guess who's in it? It's got butcher written all over that one. Yeah. <laughs> Dora Madison's in it as well from Bliss. Ooh. So he's got her back. And uh, some new different cast members. So um, that's good. It comes in at 1 hour 27. Not sure when it comes out, but I'm going to be looking forward to that. And that's a bit of horror homework for you, Mr. Jory Port, is go and watch Bliss. Yep. Nice, I like that. Yeah, one. Very that smooth. <laughs> um, I saw I saw this awesome poster. Do you remember that post? Those sort of posters you were doing a while back. I wish you continue doing this, Matt. Like the uh, sort of movement ones that you've done. Oh, yeah, yeah. You did the Bliss one, Endless one. Well, there's a there's a poster out there at the moment called 1899, which is using obviously the technology that you use to do it, and it's yeah. sort of like a Bermuda Triangle with like the water flowing down. It's an incredible looking poster and a really great use of that technology. I think. Um, but it looks like a new Netflix TV series, eight parts. Um, so sort of they're saying it's the new Dark. I never watched Dark, though. But anyway, multi, it's about multinational immigrants traveling from the old continent to the new encounter a nightmarish riddle around aboard a, sec, a second ship adrift on the open sea. So it's got to be set around the whole Bermuda Triangle thing. So it looks quite interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. The poster, just just on the poster, it's called 18. 99 so yeah cool yeah i did say that as well that was yep it looks it does look cool and i have actually seen about four or five episodes of the dark and it is actually really really good and i have no idea why i didn't watch the rest of it obviously got sidelined but yeah it is very good well shot and well made so look forward to that one uh i'm gonna bundle these two in together because they look very very similar um there's two films coming out called one's called the curse of crom the legend of halloween Curse of Chrome! <laughs> Curse of Chrome! Curse of Chrome. So basically, it's an 80s throwback to uh, pay tribute to Goonies, the Monster Squad, and Poltergeist. And it looks Shut like up. all of them three films rolled into one. So definitely Thank go you. watch the trailer. I think it's coming out on Netflix. It's definitely coming out streaming. But uh, yeah, I thought I've heard of this. well up right. our street. So yeah, looks really good. Uh, and then there's another one which it doesn't look as sort of scary i think they're both comedies but this one is a bit more uh gateway horror um it's called the curse of bridge hollow and it stars marlon wayne's and uh the the, the little um oh, what's her name the girl from stranger things millie, Bob- uh, millie bobby brown what millie bobby brown no uh, oh. ginger the, sadie you know the little mouthy one from stranger things sadie Max. No, not Sadie. The, the other one. Um, I think it's sister. Oh, 
We can never remember a goddamn name. Yeah, we can never remember a name. Yeah, it's got her in as his daughter. Um, and it looks like basically unleashing a curse on a town. And it's it looks very goosebumpsy. I think, um, Matt, I think it'd be right up Monroe Street, I think. It's sort of aimed at that. It looks looks quite funny and a bit slapstick with a bit of horror in. So look out for that at Halloween as well. Cool. But yeah, definitely check out the trailer for Curse of Crom because I think this would be quite... Mate, I'm going to look at that straight after the pod, mate. That sounds good. Right, I think we better get on to the main news then, haven't we? I've, I've got a couple of bits more if you want to hear it, lads. Really quick. All right, read them off before we talk about the main bit of news that we got. So there's a, a centipede horror film called The 100 coming from Thailand, which looks <laughs> really creepy. And uh, then I just wanted to say uh, the horror community lost somebody this week. And uh, I don't know. I've definitely read a couple of the books. Stephen King collaborator Peter Straub. So he wrote The Talisman and Black House with Stephen King. So rest in peace, Peter. <laughs> and that is all my news. Okay, we've got some massive news. We're uh, as a as a uh, podcast, we're all fucking getting behind a new Kickstarter that's uh, just launched um, called H- How to Kill Monsters. It's done. It's directed by Stuart Spark and starring his wife Lindsay Crane. Um, it's sort of been described as Evil Dead Two meets Hot Fuzz. It's going to be another practical FX ride, like we like Book of Monsters. It looks a bloodbath. The amount of fucking like layers and stuff and stuff they're giving out with their with the tears is fucking incredible i mean i don't know about you boys but i went for something like the 60 quid one or something like that and i'm gonna get like dvd t-shirt or like blu-ray all sorts of stuff if i gone if i find 120 pounds somewhere then i will fucking go for it and i will get the goddamn video game because the video game comes in like a this um uh, old school Nintendo sort of cartridge. I think everyone gets a download of it anyway, but I'm not really sure about that. Is that true? Yeah, you get uh, part of the entry level um, is the is the game and a digital copy of the film. I think oh, it's worth it, guys. You need to get behind this bad boy. It's actually about 52% there already, so you need to get in there fucking quick. It might by the time this comes out on Monday, it might have gone. Go look for it. I think it's got like 23 days as of Thursday, the 14th. Fucking go. 15th. What do you boys think? Yeah, well, obviously, someone who's just watched Book of Monsters, I'm well up for it. Um, Give them all the money. Give them all the money, as much money as you can, and uh, see what they can do, because I think it'll definitely be a fun, rip-roaring ride of a film. And the more money they get, the more polished they can make it. So, yeah, defo. And do you know what? They're generally nice people as well we've all met them so let's get behind it and really promote some british horror yeah definitely i i I heard that uh get behind it and uh hopefully there's a trilogy and he can put us in his third movie (laughs) (laughs) i was tempted to go for the five thousand pound executive producer credit (laughs) (laughs) but uh (laughs) that's great good news go go back it yeah go follow them on um instagram twitter dark Rift horror man get behind it it's it's fucking incredible and the artwork you will not be disappointed it's fucking the nuts i'm kind of gutted i miss book of monsters because it's along the similar lines i must have the same sort of artist doing it but yeah the packaging's amazing incredible oh yeah sweet right it's time to get on to our main review
thing happened to you. I just want you to be able to move on with your life. Come here. It's coming up on a year. I have something that's planned, and I need a partner in crime. The B67 TV tower. We haven't climbed since. Becky, if you don't confront your fears, you are always going to be afraid. <gasps> Let's do it. Let's climb your stupid tower. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> This is sick. Damn it, Hunter. What are you getting us into? Okay, so just stay behind me, one rung at a time. See? It's easy. You're doing great. Becky, you gotta come up here. Hey, trust me. What was that? Okay, so this week uh, we have all been to the cinema um, to watch the film that we missed at Fright Fest. Unfortunately, we all missed it at Fright Fest because we had to go home early to catch the last train. Um, and we'll obviously, I'm sure we'll reference that at some point while we're talking about it. But it is The Fall. So a quick synopsis, uh, for best friends, Becky and Hunter, life is all about conquering fears and pushing limits. However, after they climb 2,000 feet to the top of a remote, abandoned radio tower, they find themselves stranded with no way down. Now their climbing expertise are put to the ultimate test as they desperately fight to survive the elements, a lack of supplies, and vertical-inducing heights. Ooh. What do we think, gents? Well, I've got to start with this one because I suffer from vertigo pretty bad. Like, I am quite scared of heights, quite scared. And I'm fucking glad we did not watch this in the IMAX at Fright Fest because I would have, I think I might have walked out. Literally. This <laughs> you'd have, you'd have tried to walk out. <laughs> yeah, I'd have tried and then you would have pulled me back. But literally, I was like, like, I was watching this film and I was on the edge of my seat. I was sweating. I felt weird. I just was like, uh, I was on my own watching this as well. I must have looked like a right dick in the cinema. But I was like squirming in my seat. I was even like going down in my seat. Like, oh, it's just, it really gave me anxiety, man, big time. Like, ah, yeah. What about you guys? I'm still coming down off it. I mean, it was like a fucking terrifying tension roller coaster. Not for the faint-hearted or those with vertigo. I fucking was shit in my pants. I was just done. It made me uneasy, man. I was like fucking. It's just the exposure. But I done. I mean, okay. I've done a few like little bits of rock climbing and all there that. We go, there we go. I, I've been on the. I've been on the crib gawk. I've been on those edges where it's like this. This little. Um, between you and falling down off the face of this fucking earth, but you tried that three peaks as well. You tried, but yeah. uh, but that was just the exposure. You felt it. You just felt how like oh, it was disgusting. I just wanted to like crawl, <laughs> crawl up in a little ball, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean the gri- the best thing about going to see this film was I took my missus right, who also isn't very good with heights and i did it on purpose because i knew it would just make the experience of going to see it really really fun because <laughs> i'm an evil bastard and she was like matt she was sweating 
she was close to sickness. She was saying she was going to pass out. She literally wanted to leave halfway through. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> um, oh my god, it was so entertaining. But yeah, um, ah, oh, yeah, Paul. Wow. I mean, I'm all right with heights, but it does. It just makes you. Oh my god, the way it was shot and just. I don't know if it was just the flimsiness of the the structure that they were on and just the way the camera just kept panning. It's, I, yeah. it's just it's just straight up. There's like, yeah. I've done stuff where it's like you're, you're on a rock face and, and you got stuff around you. This was yeah. just, like just things that maybe if you slip, you can grab onto or you, you've got a chance to sort of break your fall or something. But now this is just, yeah, like you said, you fall off it and it's. Yeah. But the thing is with this movie, they're really clever because like, obviously the build up to it is it's just like they make you feel unsafe by showing you the structure how old but it's really clever because they the way they show how old it is is the way they shoot it and they make it it's it's old it's it's you know this is the star of the movie the tower is the star of the movie it's it's like it's like you know it's breaking it's 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 like all um kind of rusting and the net the, the the screws are all falling out and it's condemned it's a condemned tower nobody should be going up it. it warns people and then these two idiots decide they want to go up well, it. <laughs> one idiot wanted to go up and the other one was like they're both idiots in my book yeah. I mean, everybody's got that one friend haven't they that one friend that makes them do some stupid yeah, shit that, that you just one think, friend oh. that likes to march up mountains and cliff face <laughs> get lost <laughs> shit like that. makes you go and watch oh. trauma films that you don't want to <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know who you're talking about but like obviously the start of this movie is like is actually three of them climbing up the side of a, a mountain one of them uh without a rope and the other uh two what is are, that called paul what, what is that climbing called free climb uh free climbing oh, why do people free, well why? Free, free solo that's what they why call do it. people do it I don't know, have, you not seen, have you not seen the documentary Free Solo? I don't want to see that documentary. Is that, is that, that is a real dude, Alex Collins, fucking climbing up like this El Capitan. It's fucking the nuts, man. That is like, and that, send, that I watch that documentary constantly because the the exposure on that is is ridiculous. And that's why you're sort of trying to get, and, you, and the way they position the camera, that's, that's as much as a horror movie. I really want to like get him on. Say, would you do this? No, because it's stupid. Because at least with them, <laughs> that's, that's like you've got the rocks. Okay, the rocks could fall. Loose rocks, fine. You got to deal with that. But this is a fucking. It's it's condemned for a reason. A, a fucking professional would not do this. I don't know. I I I beg to differ. I wouldn't do either. Of them. No way. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I don't. I I just like literally one but false move. It's like not... one false move. Like. Uh, an eagle or whatever it was flying at your face and then you're gone mate <laughs> a vulture but anyway um but like uh <laughs> not vulture what yeah, the they start were, they were vultures what the very start oh no that was a i don't know what yeah, the fuck, fuck that was. Yeah, but it had birds in it. it was interesting it had some like <laughs> themes throughout and shit and like obviously like her husband died and that's like at the start that's sort of the driver for for this movie as well as like her, the, the, her trying to get her, she's had a year pretty much to the day to try and move on and she hasn't um great little cameo by jeffrey d morgan as her father a little tiny <laughs> tiny got a fucking payday for that mate <laughs> i told you though didn't i when we first talked about this i said he'd be in it for five minutes and he was <laughs> yeah i reckon it was about two 
Um, but the two leads were like fantastic. I mean, they've got they've got some um, horror chops as well. Uh, we had uh, uh, Grace Caroline Curry as Becky and uh, oh, Virginia Gardner as uh, oh, Shola Hunter. I mean, they've got some horror chops on there. You know, she's been in um, Virginia's been in like Halloween um, before, like the what the new one that's come out. And uh, Grace has been in like um, Shazam, you know, great one. No, I mean Annabelle Creation. She's been in, so you know they've got some horror chops behind them. <laughs> Poor Jordan <laughs> Paul's face. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. They, it's just the, the, those two girls sold it, but there was just more. There was uh, the tension of the whole fucking thing was nuts, but there was more to the story, which kind of kept you going a little bit as well. So I don't know if we like we can't really spoil it, but it has been out. So what's up to you boys? I think the plot threads, do you know what? I was sort of, one of the worries I had going into this film was how do they make a film about this last as long as it's going to? So I was a bit worried as I was watching the film that they were plotting, they were filling stuff with like relationship talk and things that were going on in the private lives and all that type of stuff. I I thought there's going to be loads of flashbacks, which I was glad didn't. And in the middle of it, I was like, come on, can we get on with the, fallen or trying to get down off this thing but actually i think it was quite clever and i don't know if you want to go into spoilers with it because i think what it did was it cemented something in your brain and when the rug pull sort of happens at least for me i didn't think it was going to be as sort of clever towards the end as it was i thought it was going to be a bit more straight laced so all the filler stuff actually sort of giving you background to their relationship and what's gone on and what hasn't gone on was quite clever in sort of misdirecting you or giving you cause to think you know, there was a separation between them for for what happens later. And I, it, it actually sucked me in and the twist, should I call it, actually got me. Yeah. And I was very impressed with it. Yeah, yeah. It, did, it did actually get me as well, the twist, I'll be honest. And Apart from the relationship twist, I knew that one from a mile off, obviously. Yeah, I could see oh, that. Yeah. could see that too. Um, but there's a clever way of, like, divulging that. But, yeah, you're right. The second twist, the, the, the sort of main twist... I did not see that coming at all. It floored me, and I was like, "Oh shit! I should have. I really should have." Yeah, especially but... that. Yeah, especially one part. You're like, "Nah, that really." Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I identified a massive like plot hole. I was like, and I turned to my missus and I said, "Well, you think she'd do this?" And my missus turned around and went, "Well, she's hurt her hands." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, fair enough." But I didn't really like. It was just like, why is she piloting the drone? There's a drone in it, by the way. But that why is she? Why is she not piloting the drone? And it was like, oh. <laughs> mm, I love, I love the use of the drone. Though. I thought that was really clever. I yeah. really like that part of it. Um, like I just thought that was quite clever. Like just uh, have that part of it. I don't know if it was meant to happen like this, but the sort of tribute to Breaking Bad. With the, the oh, RV in the big. desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. the two blokes who you think are going to be, well, you knew it was too early in the film for them to be retribution, but the bastards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the worst case scenario, like of climbing a stupid structure like that anyway. Which they said halfway up, halfway up was the height of Eiffel Tower, halfway. <sighs> and then for her to like have to charge the fucking drone thing, like as well, by going up again shimmying up that goddamn pole i mean there was no room on that bloody thing anyway like the little platform they had oh it's just not only that the deprivation the sleep deprivation uh not being able to to to, to do anything because like falling asleep 
scared you're going to fall off. I thought they did that really well. Uh, just, it just, it just was a scary fucking film, and it just, and you know the fact that it was probably like filmed in a green screen on like a tiny little like ledge part of that thing. But fucking hell, man, they did sold it. Not, did they sold job. it? They sold it big time. And like the little adages and stuff like that with the vultures, the sort of preambles. There was a good jump scare, I think, with those earlier. A good jump scare again with like. Um, the classic, like, not pet. Oh, that annoyed me, actually. Then then I kind of wanted her to fucking die. Because, like, you know, just not, pay, not paying attention whilst you're driving. And then a fucking truck. That, that classic. Oh, I nearly got taken out by a goddamn truck. Watch out for those trucks. I did shit yeah, myself. Then. <laughs> but again, it was a great precursor to what happens with the drone. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. you were watching it. You were literally watching it going. This is going to happen. This is going to... Oh, it happened. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, and it was almost... It was like a... I don't know. It, for me, it took you down that road of, like, you were a bit annoyed with them at the same time. Mm. Even the way they were trying to sort of get out of it. Well, I don't... Because I, I didn't think it was going to be about the story of their descent. Yeah. I mean, it's like... I think you like one of them's a YouTuber, isn't she? And she, she's just a bit annoying. And I think, you know, that's part of it. I mean, she reminded me of you, you Paul, uh, Butch, a bit. Because, like, you know, she loves climbing. Uh, she's got a drone. Well, or had a drone. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got better breasts. Thanks. <laughs> I just, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, overall, man, it fucking did its job. It really did. And, like... I want to ask a question. Do you think this film will have the same punch on a TV at home? No, and Matt, I contradict what you said at the start. I fucking wish we watched this in that massive screen. Yeah, me, me too. Oh, <laughs> my God. I it, 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 mean, it was stomach churning enough watching it in the screen. I watched it in, but Jesus. Can you imagine? Yeah. In IMAX, I that would be incredible. I did see a few people that left 15 minutes into it because they just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Which is kind of scary, kind of crazy, but I can understand why because that screen is fucking huge. But I think you are right. If I think if you were watching on a, a smaller telly and like maybe even on DVD with like a lower resolution, I don't think it would have the same. I, I don't know because I like again, I'll go back to watching this free solo documentary and that it it gives me part, um, heart palpitations like watching that when you get the exposure see i don't know the, the way the tvs are, na- are built now if you the way that you've got that 4k that f- if you put this on a 4k tv and you, you get that sort of depth perception which it gives you fucking hell yeah i think, like, I think you can get I, can, I think you can get like 50 percent of it but if you want the whole experience man it's got to be a cinema and it's a shame I, I don't think it ran that long to, to be honest matt just to really contradict what i just said Actually, just thinking about it, the the emotional bit of the story, which, like I said, could have been really wank, I thought actually helped it in the end. Yeah. Like I said, the mm-hmm. final, I don't, we're not, obviously not going to go into spoilers, but the final twist, mm. like read, like it, it stopped in their moments. It wasn't a disaster film or a, like a thriller. It was like, oh, shit. Mm. Like, that, yeah. oh, my God. Like, what are you going to do now? Um, regardless, well, if I you think s- actually on a smaller screen that would translate regardless whatever yeah. you watched it on. So yeah, regardless of what you like in terms of spoil, there's no like way it's spoiling this movie either. You kind of understand what you're going into. I really do. It's the it's the ride that you're put on for this kind of movie. It's gonna it's gonna give if 
it's going to affect some definitely a portion of people out there in different ways it's it's, it's a really interesting movie very well done liked it a lot scores we're giving this oh I, i've been up and down i've been up and down this right and i don't know why and i'm gonna have to go i'm gonna have i was sort of thinking is it that good is it not is it that is it not i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten just just to the experience and i thought it was really well done the twist got us there was a couple of bits of janky sort of cg which i was a bit like oh please don't stop doing that but yeah other than that yeah, I think just for the thrill ride to put you on, and I thought it was quite clever. It was better than it ever had any right to be, really. It was like a proper B movie, but elevated. It was it was really good. So yeah, nine out of ten. Oh, good. I'd give it a nine out nine breaths out of ten, mate. All day, just because it it made me feel, it made me feel, un un like just really just like totally in the movie. Just unnerved me, made me feel like weird. I just I was engrossed the whole time. I didn't look away. I just thought that's what cinema movie. This is a cinema movie, and that's what it made me feel like. And this is why I go to the cinema to feel like this. And purely on that base, nine out of ten. Ah, uh, for me, I agree. Nine out of ten. It really affected me. And yeah, for anything like a movie to do that, it needs to have a high score. Um, and it was really well put together. I think I think it definitely deserves a nine. It's it's up there. There's going to be some lot of in- interesting conversations at the end of year T- top ten. I think. Yeah, there we go. Right. Um, on that note, so that's full. That's our review. Next episode, we will be looking to review "Don't Worry, Darling," the direct uh, the movie from Olivia Wilde, starring Harry Styles, Chris Pine. Florence Pugh. Let's see if she can get another great performance like Midsummer. Cool, cool. Right. Let's move on to our summer to scream about. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? All right, this episode something to scream about. I have managed to secure a conversation with one of the directors from uh, Fright Fest. Uh, he bought, um, he's a first-time director. He directed a film called The Group. Uh, we got the pleasure of watching the movie. Um, it's a, an interesting movie about addiction, recovery, revenge, um, and we get to hear all sorts. Well, what did you think about the movie, guys? I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. I thought it was really captivating. Great performances all around. Um, you know, the facts, you know, I don't want to dive into the interview and any spoilers about your interview, but it's an interesting conversation what you had. And yeah, I look forward to everybody listening to it. But yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the movie a lot. Um, you know, it's, it's something, you know, that I would definitely watch going forward and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I agree with Matt. And um, obviously from a first-time director as well, so looking forward to what he's going to do in the future as well. So, yeah, hope everyone enjoys the interview. Thanks, Will, for joining us on uh, Draw One Last Breath. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Welcome, uh, Will Heigo, uh, the director of the group. Um, I want to say first time, congratulations for the getting into the festival um, at Fright Fest and also Dead Northern as well. You've got another festival. So how's it, how's it been? How's, um, has it been since the festival? 
Well, hi, Paul. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, no, it has been a little bit of a roller coaster we're at the beginning of this little festival journey that we're on. So it started with Fright Fest, which was starting with a bit of a bang. You know, that was when we had our world premiere. And um, I mean, Fright Fest was a big one for me because it was the I went to Fright Fest when I was 17 years old. That was 20 years ago. And I saw all the films of that festival in 2002 on the at the Prince Charles. So it was it meant an, the absolute world to actually you know, I was in the screen that I would have seen stuff in back then, except I was stood on the stage and seeing my own film up there, which was a bit felt a bit much, especially since I think the year that we did that one, you had people like first year I went, we had uh, Christopher Nolan was there. Like he had one hour photo on, you know, I'd seen Chanwook Park stood up there. And I was like, yeah, now I'm up there, which feels like a bit of a downgrade, to be honest. I think we worked out that if you had been in the cinema, that cinema for my screening, but it had been however many years ago, 20 years ago, you would have watched, I think, one hour photo. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't know if it's a fair comparison, if I'm being honest and true, but yeah, it would have been one hour photo. And yeah, we've just got into Dead Northern, which is at the end of the month. Uh, So we're in September now, it's on the 25th of September which is great because obviously I'm from Leeds and York's only a hop, skip and a jump away. So I get to have the, uh, the Northern, Northern premiere where actually all like the, all the Londoners come up there. Cause got, I think right. um, eating Miss Campbell got in, uh, is, is in Eating Miss well. Campbell's in and the creepings in. Um, so a couple of people from Fright Fest are going up. So I know Jamie Hoop who did the creeping and uh, was it Liam Reagan who did eating Miss Campbell. It's yeah. good. Cause I didn't see either of those films because I, I mean, my feeling was that I wouldn't get chance. I, I would get chance to, elsewhere but they kind of clashed with other stuff so i'm actually looking i'm actually going to get to to go watch them i was hoping they'd get wolf manor as well but that didn't really work out so i'd skipped wolf manor for something else when i was at fright fest thinking well of course it'll be on at dead northern it's not so you know oh i I mean somewhere down you're gonna gonna, you're in for a treat with eating miss campbell honestly it was it's something to behold it's a (laughs) it's a trauma it's a trauma film and i do have a soft spot for trauma films Especially, ah. I mean, the I saw a trauma film, The Prince Charles, last time I probably went there was uh, Father's Day. Oh, okay, cool. The Astron 6 one, absolutely fantastic. So I'm always, I always quite like something that's in the spirit of trauma. I can kind of get into that vibe, which yeah, I know I think... is not, it's not for everybody. But once you sort of slip into that mindset and you're like, okay, fine. Probably watch something like Class of Newcomb High as a bit of a primer before I go up there. All right, now we're talking. I mean, that was Class of Newcomb High has got a special place in my heart. That was the first trauma movie ever watched. I think we didn't even, I didn't even know anything about trauma back then. It was just like, it was on the shelf of Mate's house. It looked naughty. It was an 18 and we were, four, you know, 13, 14. Let's put that on. And it's like, what is this? <laughs> they all had those like embossed covers. So I always remember they're in the video shop. You just like, run your hand over them. Quite sensual, just running your hand over the Toxic Avenger. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the big thing was that when I was a kid, uh, it was Toxic Crusaders with the cartoon on TV. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, this is the must be the film version where, it, yeah. you know, this one's for kids. And this one features a scene where a kid gets his head crushed by a car. <laughs> I actually got the pleasure of meeting Lloyd Kaufman, actually. Like, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I went to um, New York Comic Con in 2017. Um, he had a little stand there and with, with Toxie as well. So he did a, he did a little um, little snippet for the pod, which was quite nice. And I've still got him on my Twitter. He's still my picture with him in, in Toxie. So that was a, that was a moment. Um, but yeah, we want to get into some uh, some questions if you if you're okay. I'm all I'm all about questions. Go for it. Um, so, what was your earliest memory of horror? Earliest memory of horror. 
well, it's probably, it is probably VHS covers and posters. There was, um, we used to have a Ritz video near us where obviously they would have, like, you, you forget, like, how you would just assume all these films you saw were a really big deal based on the fact they were in the video shop. There's a film called Ghost Chasers that we used to watch. Yeah. And now it's one of those films where you're like, I remember seeing something. It involved a haunted puppet. It seemed to be like an adventure film for kids. Felt like a really big deal. And then you're just trying to find out what it is. And it turns out it was some TV movie that nobody cared about from Toronto. But obviously it was on VHS and it had quite good artwork. So you always remembered those, those sort of like memories of being in the video shop, seeing the artwork. See, and they were, you know, there seemed to be no rules on advertising. You could literally slap whatever you wanted on there. Oh, so, yeah. Do you remember the front cover of Bad Taste? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and obviously these days someone would be like, you can't put that on the front cover or it'd have a sticker or something over, over yeah. it. There was the, I always remember being spooked by the um, Child's Play 2 poster they had in the window of like a, literally like a video shop that we drive past if we were going to Leeds City Centre. And it used to really freak me out. I'd have probably been about seven or eight or something like that. And it's the one with the jack-in-a-box coming out and Chuck used to be hide with the scissors. And that's what I remember. Like, remember that very vividly. And then, you know, moving on from that, it was, Watching like the, the sort of horror movies on VHS, my friends like um, my me and my cousin used to get our hands on stuff, and we watched like you know Alien and things like that because he had like a he had a widescreen VHS of it, so you know it all felt pretty proper. And that one, the Alien, has stuck with me quite a lot and influenced quite a lot of the stuff I did on the group, not in subject matter, but in sort of you know very direct, very sort of spare, you know, very down the line about what it's about. Just almost there's nothing over here not important it's just literally like this um and that was what i remembered that that's those those sort of vivid memories when i was a teenager i mean i feel like this is going i'm clicking you said first memory and i'm like i'll give you every single conceivable memory yes. i have ever had of <laughs> horror films me and a mate from school we were introduced to a girlfriend matt whitton matt helped me out on the group as well helped me he's like uh works for a royal college of music in manchester so he helped me find a composer dennis and me and him at school we were the kids that were into horror films so we would basically we had this book which i've got on the shelf somewhere called see no evil by david kerakis and that it has the full dpp list of all the video nasties and he was like you know these films are banned and he was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I've got like a load of them. <laughs> like, because you, you'd get them on VHS. Uh, it was just as things were starting to loosen up, just as DVD came in, they were sort of taking a bit of a look at, st- at stuff and being like, why did we ban The Evil Dead? Let's get, he's just done a Spider-Man film. Let's get that out. You know, so you suddenly had like a, all of these films, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, was suddenly getting re-released and you could get them. Yeah, Last, and we were last get- House on the Left came out at that time, Spit on Your Grave. Yeah, they- yeah. Ooh. Face of the Death, like that. I got, I had that on DVD for the longest time. <laughs> I think my wife made me get rid of it. She was like, "What's this about?" It's like they do kill a lot of animals, and she was like, "I want it out of the house." <laughs> um, and yeah, and they're all getting re-released, so we were basically just using it like a little checklist. You'd go through and be like, "Have you seen?" You know, like, "Don't go on late night trains." No, okay, let's see if we can find that one. And they used to have a little uh, VHS um, sort of stall in, uh, like, it, essentially it was like the Leeds Comic Book Fair, but. You could get other stuff and you'd be like, you'd be like, you've got any VHSs? And they'd like give you, bring you a list of spines. You'd be like, well, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. And they'd be like, here you go, like five pound a pop, just dubbed. You know, I, I think at that point it's because a lot of them, DVD had started to come in. And if from America, you could easily just run off the VHSs. Yeah. 
So there was a lot of uncut stuff coming in that way, you know. So it was pretty, pretty great time, actually. It was just literally just you. The thing is, when you're younger, and this is not just about horror, it's about film in general, is you have a thing where you have so much history to catch up on. Yeah. You know, there's so many, you can be like, I haven't seen Taxi Driver. Everyone talks about it. Let's watch Taxi Driver. Either somebody could give you about 30 films and you wouldn't have seen any of them. You know, and you could go back and see all the fits of the video shop. Like, I'll have a go on that, have a go on that. You had like we had a, this thing called the Video Hound, which was like a list of a load of films and reviews, the Psychotronic Video Guide. And you just leaf through them and be like, let's see that, see that, see that. And obviously, as you get older, there's less sad thing is there's just less new stuff. So you're sort of like, yeah, seen it, seen it, seen it. But it was, you know, it was a great time being a sort of teenager back then. It was almost yeah. worth worth them banning everything so that you could illicitly see it, you know. Definitely. I mean, from, that's exactly why we do the podcast and stuff like that. We tend to just like go back and visit ones that we didn't get to see when we were younger. We remember the ones that we did and then we just go back and just keep going for the ones um, that we didn't. But yeah, that's that's exactly my childhood. <laughs> exactly. It must be the same age range, I reckon, <laughs> says what we did. Um, what about in the last like 10 years? What sort of movies did you sort of have you sort of got on with? Well, leading up to, you know, to what you produced. So, so basically, I I wrote the group about four years ago now when I first wrote the script and we shot it, started shooting it in 2020. Um, before everyone knew about the pandemic. All you knew then was that eh, a few people have got sick at work and they've been off for two weeks. Um, and then everything sort of kicked off and which delayed shooting. We did a lot of editing in between. And then we, at the end of the year, sort of early 2021, shot a few pickups and finished it off. Um, but the uh, in the last sort of 10 years, like I've been, I had kids. So they basically put the brakes on a lot of <laughs> like catching up on horror films. So I bet I have like a May and we used to do a film festival every year. And during the pandemic, we did it online. So it was nice to see things like Psycho Goreman and all that sort of stuff. I mean, he has a Shudder account and I don't, which, you know, because I can't, can't justify it. Yeah, we share, we share one. So it's sort of like we get through it, through it that way. But there are some good things on Shudder at the moment. So I finally caught up. I caught with Cold Prey, which was the, it's the raw Earth Hog, the um, slasher film which is that set in a ski resort. Norway. Yeah, it's from Norway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then he obviously then goes on and does like Tomb Raider and The Wave and stuff, which are like less interesting. But I, I, during the early days of my second son being born, I suddenly found like he wouldn't go to sleep and my missus couldn't sleep with him next to him because a kid has like a sort of low level, like ambience of like, like, you know, so she couldn't sleep. So I was like, listen, I'll take him you'd get some sleep and I would stay up till two in the morning, just catching up on stuff. So I was like, I, you know, I was like, cold prey, never got around to watching that. Watched that, watched Sensor. had a big thing about, I got a Godzilla Criterion box set for Christmas. So I sort of started like plowing through all of those. I'm not gonna lie to you. They get pretty, pretty samey after the second or third one. Um, Ready or not. I really liked that one. You yeah, know, that it was just it was... out of the cinema. Uh, that was at Fright Fest, I think, 2019, I think. That was a... Yeah, and I, th- I, I thought that was great. Really sort of like nice, sort of intelligent kind of slasher. I was a bit disappointed when they did Scream. That wasn't quite what I wanted from a Scream film. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult one because it's sort of such a tonal, like 
Scream is very much a tone of its time. It's very much a sort of teeny, sort of slightly wry, comical thing. And then you've got these actors that come from that trying to mesh with this quite grounded, like quite like nasty film. And it just didn't really sort of pan out. I mean, a, a big one for me, I don't know if you've seen it, is Violence Voyager. Oh, no. Violence Voyager, it's, I watched that uh, last year at one of my mates, like online film festivals. And it's vaguely an animation. I mean, I, it's about two, it's set in Japan. It's about an American Japanese lad and his friend who go off in search of a theme park called Violence Voyager. And stuff just goes off the rails from there when they get there it loads of body horror and weird stuff but the key thing is it's like animated vaguely it's paper it's almost like paper cutouts that they've basically like oh, i mean with complete artistry moving in front of the camera like with little bits of animation with little jaws dropping down or at one point one of them's sick and they've just sort of cut a hole in the <laughs> paper mouth and put a hose through is like blah, 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 blah. you know and really disturbing really kind of inventive it's just got this sort of look that makes you feel really uneasy it sort of looks like a kind of 70s storybook like a almost not famous five but like that kind of like cheap kind of like oh, yeah. storybook you'd find in the dentist but animated and with all this kind of like mutations and body horror and violence and it's really really disturbing I mean, I would say it's a definite, definite one to give a whirl. Like it's only about 18 minutes long. And it was like really that. something really stuck in my head. That one did. Honestly, how was, how was your Fright Fest? How did the uh, movie go down? Um, and also, like, did you get to see much other stuff? So we always knew that we were going to be on. We found out that we were going to be on the Saturday. And I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty great. Just before that, though, my producer, Talia, she said, well, I'm getting married on the Friday. So she unfortunately couldn't attend. And then she told me, she's like, and you're invited to the wedding. So I I ended up going to the wedding on the Friday, which was absolutely lovely. But there's no chance we make any films. But I made a point of on the Thursday night, I went to see the lair to see the opening film. Because I, even the years I've never been to Fright Fest, I always made a point doing the opening if I couldn't do the opening evening at the very least do the opening film um then couldn't go on the Friday Saturday we had the screening of our film and it really it went down really well I mean I wasn't in the screening because I had like a little director's lunch to go to which was a bit you know a bit of a shame because my missus was sat in the screening and she was like well people winced in the places they were supposed to wince they laughed at the places they were supposed to laugh like she said actually it would have done you quite a lot of good to see it because you'd be able to see it kind of working um and we got some decent reviews like uh, Anton Patel and uh, Kim Newman both were very positive about it which means means quite a lot and you know we had a few people afterwards approaches and film essentially is about a, an addict support group and one evening a bloke turns up pulls out a gun gut shots one of them and says you know like if you think you deserve to walk out of here then you know you've got to prove to me that, that you deserve that otherwise I'll kill all of you and it sort of spirals into this whole thing of everyone basically like searching themselves and at the same time they're trying to find out exactly what brings him here like you know why is he here like why is he doing this the key thing is obviously because they're addicts they're like we've got a list as long as our arm of people that you know we need to atone to and if you know that we may have offended so you know like we don't really know 
the whole thing about the film was that we really wanted to make it so that it was not balanced in the sense you're not going to really take the side of the gun-toting maniac, but we wanted everyone to be in a position that you could understand to some degree, you know, without condoning or condemning, just be like, okay, I, I sort of know where everyone's coming from. But we always knew that with the addicts and things, we were like, well, we don't know how this is going to really land. And when we were on the stage in the Q&A, uh, Ian Rattray, one of the organisers of Fright Fest, and he said to me, you know, during the screening, we, we came in for the end and he was like, it's really, really moving. And it was like quite sort of, sort of choked up. And I'm a bit like, I've seen this film like a thousand times. And, you know, you, you lose all sort of context, really. You can't, you're almost like, I, d- I don't know if it's moving. I don't know if it's scary. I don't know if it's like thrilling. It's just sort of, image 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 and you know and intellectually you're like well I guess it that's it does what it's supposed to do and then when we're on stage he said he said well you know I'm an alcoholic he said I don't get to say that that much as part of Fright Fest because you know it's just never point but I am an alcoholic and that's something you're supposed to say and you know like remind yourself of and you know and he said later on he said but yeah like he found that really sort of moving and we heard from other people who'd been to support groups they were like yeah we really it really kind of spoke to us. So it was interesting to hear that kind of reaction because I was like, I, I didn't know how it was going to land in that regard. But they really took to it. And, you know, and, and that's the thing. If it works for those sorts of people, if it works then and speaks to them and they feel that almost like seen by it, then, yeah, it makes the whole thing sort of worthwhile. Um, so it was it, it was a really positive screening. It was a really positive Q&A because, you know, I've been to Q&As where everybody sort of runs out of steam any questions and everybody just sort of sits there and then eventually somebody will be like how many drafts of the script did you do and you're like oh there are four more but like we you know people were asking all sorts of questions a lot of them wanted to know what the drugs were made out of um some sort of like apparently some sort of medically approved milk powder because it turns out you can't just stick anything up your nose you have to get a little certificate that says this is okay to stick up your nose <laughs> this is okay for you to smoke kind of thing um, so interesting. So you you wrote this. You wrote the group as well as well as directed. I it. did. I wrote and directed it. Yeah, and it's obviously got strong themes of addiction, recovery, forgiveness, revenge. Um, how did you choose that subject matter? Is it close to your heart? Or I've had quite a few family members that have struggled with addiction, and I've been to these groups with them. And. I remember the first time I went to one being quite struck that they're not quite how you'd imagine them. You know, you sort of imagine they're like all pally, everyone's all pally pally, but it's not really because ultimately you have like a load of people from lots of different backgrounds and they really only have one thing in common. And that is that they're addicts, but they can be a businessman. They can be like, you know, they can be a homeless guy, businessman, you know, like a sort of mom, like it doesn't really, there's not really any sort of boundaries even in like a sort of straightforward meeting, there was like quite a sort of like, there was a lot of dynamics going on, a lot of kind of drama. Hierarchy, so when it, animosity yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So when it came to like make the idea of making a film, I'd always wanted to make a film, making a micro budget one. And originally had my heart set on doing a, a short and I have few, quite a few contacts through work. And I was like, well, I can get my hands on, you know, Venice camera, I can get all the lights and stuff like that. And a mate of mine, Rick, who were, uh, he directs um like a like an LGBT web series in um in Australia. He just said to me, he was like, You're gonna make a short? I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, if you're gonna get an entire cast of people into one room and you're gonna get all the equipment and you're gonna do it for a week, 
just make a feature so there's no point like you know there's no half measures so if you make a feature people will sit up and sort of take notice you know you and he was like, and he's done quite a few features now on Amazon Prime and stuff like that because he's of that kind of like mumblecore thing where he's like, mate, just get them, just get them made, get them out, like you know, learn, move on, do the other one. You learn a lot doing a feature, and that sort of switched my mindset. And I was like, okay, right, let's start thinking feature. And you start thinking like, what can I do? And I was like, well, I haven't, I haven't got a lot of money and very little money, in fact. So what can I do? And you were like, well, get a contained environment. And immediately, the minute I started thinking contained environment, I was like, well, what? what justifies that and I was like well group group meeting I was like and then they started developing the story because all I thought was that they've got a lot of drama and tension in them and that's before someone walks in and pulls a gun out and starts turning everything on its head that takes like a safe space and makes it like an unsafe space you know like and and the minute that that sort of got into my head I was like yeah I could I could do this you know this this is like feasible it's like actors in a circle it's one set you know and let's just go for it. That's really that's sort of... like learning about the process and understanding like you've taken what you've got access to and then turned it into something. That's well, it's the, like it's the Robert, Rod- Robert Rodriguez thing, isn't it? It's what yeah. he says in that Rebel Without a Crew. He goes, take stock of what you've got and do that. You know, he said, I had a tortoise. There's a tortoise in the film. I didn't have a tortoise. There's no tortoise in the film. So we found we found the location, <laughs> you know, we got a production designer in May. She did a bang up job of turning this like sort of community space. I mean, it's a religious building that cannot be named for legal reasons. But she was able to turn that space into just what looked like a sort of like, you know, rotting community center. You get some good actors. We did some casting on Mandy, um, you know, got quite a few mad people in at first. One bloke turned up with his own gun, which was a uh, yeah, it was a bit much. I mean, he came into the, he was auditioning for the role of Jack and he sort of walks in, quite a gruff, serious bloke, sits down and he suddenly goes, reaches into his jacket and goes, probably shouldn't be walking around London with this, pulls out this massive gun. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this is, this is how I'm going to go then, you know, make it quick. (laughs) Um, And he was like, it's a replica. I was like, good. Well, you know, I've already like shaved like 10 years off the end of my life. Um, he didn't get the part, no. but you know, uh, you know what? Appreciate the method of him bringing in the pistol. But we cast, we cast all the cast came out of that initial, we did initial sort of burst over a weekend, and we got pretty much everybody. Dylan, we weren't entirely sure was going to do it because he turned up and he was sort of quite sort of quiet and you know, and we were like, yeah, he's really good, but does he want to do it? I'm not quite sure. Cause he was working on something. He told me later on, he's like, I was working on something else at the time with intermittent email access. So I was like, he's not responding to the emails. <laughs> and then he was like, I was like, yeah, love it. Want to get involved. Um, and it was, it does, it does come across very foreboding. So he is like, you know, that is mm. like very, very strength there. Um, something to be said about that. And there's some quite other interesting characters, obviously Kara, who, it reminded me a lot, like, um, I don't know if you've ever read A Million Little Pieces, like um, Jamie yeah. Fred, stuff like that. It's sort of that sort of start. She's, like, on the road to recovery. She almost hit rock bottom. You sort of get that feel that she's sort of, like, coming out of it. And now she's been, wants this one last chance. And she's going to get, you know, to go through the ringer to actually be able to pull pull out whether she's going to go for that one last chance. It's Well, Evangelina that plays her is, was, at the time, she was 20. Right. She'd not done anything else before. 
she's very tall she's like five foot eleven which I guess maybe isn't that tall maybe I'm just quite short and therefore I'm like five foot eleven she's obviously a giant and I'm not incredibly short um but she was brilliant and we struggled casting that for a while like there was we were all over the map with ages because you have we knew that we had Dylan and we were like, he's like quite a force. And he was the only person that can really move in the circles. He's like walking around dominating everyone in rehearsals and stuff. And you needed somebody who could stand up against him. But it was also written as quite young. And we had people coming in and they'd read the lines, brilliant act- actors, but the lines would come across as quite petulant. And you were like, I don't see them somebody that could hold their own because she really does like she's like a wall. So the whole thing we had about Cara was that she was supposed to be the kind of person that she didn't care what happened to her. She'd already, she was, was at rock bottom and it was like the, you know, backstory, the amount of stuff that's happened to her. She's like, you're going to hit me. You're probably not the first bloke that's punched me in the face. You know, like I'm probably not the first time I've looked down the barrel of a gun. I could not care less. You could shoot me now. I would not care. But what she does care about is other people things happening that are her fault that all sort of stem from her trauma and we needed somebody who could give that kind of like air of like not really caring and then Evangelina came along and she was she was great or from the start really kind of like tough really sharp able to kind of deliver those lines without it being too you know without it sounding like really like you she was having an argument with the dad like you really got a sense that she didn't give a fuck and it helped she was because she's quite tall she's quite angular she seemed like you know quite formidable even like sat on the chair with her arms tied behind her back and she really really brought it like it was you know you wouldn't think it was the first thing she'd done really you know and we were really chuffed really chuffed with the performance especially when you know she first turned up and we were like yeah no makeup like you know slop a load of glycerin in her hair like she she felt uncomfortable through that shoe and she just sort of got on with it it was it was amazing yeah you yeah. felt that you felt that as a as a sort of audience member as well watching it that she just it, there was it, it was just dirt she just wasn't there she was very uh unclean <laughs> you felt the, un- <laughs> the uncleanness but like this was this your like um like this is your first time the first time director first first time, first first time. well i directed sh- directed shorts before shorts. a lot of horror shorts but it was the first time i did a feature film okay um, so what with your we've talked quite a lot about your process um but what was like the, the most fun you had like during the actual process of making this movie the like, most what... fun we had uh so after i finished and we're doing it my mum was like did you have fun <laughs> i was like no <laughs> no it, it was very stressful but I suppose the thing is, it's like you feel satisfied. Satisfying is probably more what you'd say, right. <laughs> because there are times, you know, when the times when it feels like everything's falling apart and you're just racing through it. We were, I mean, we had a shoot of uh, 11 days and a lot of dialogue, heavy stuff. You know, you're doing like 10 minute scenes and they were nailing it, really nailing it. But, you know, we were looking and we're like, right, we're doing like 15 pages a day. That's insane. That's like, you know, Hollyoaks would do about eight to 10 and they'd probably think that was a bit much. And we're sort of like at one towards the back end of the shoot, we were doing one take. We do a big one of the wide. Be like, yeah, it was pretty good, but we know we can do better on the singles. Do the single. Was it in focus? Yep, let's go for it. And I mean, we were running, really running out of time. So it was quite, quite intense. Uh, we did have a lot of fun on the day with the squibs. 
Right. There was, uh, we've got a bloke down called, called Keith from Bloody FX. He had the whitest teeth I have ever seen in my entire life. Lovely man. And he wired up all the squibs. And that almost all came a cropper because just as we were sort of setting up the shop, there was a problem with the cooker and there's some, there'd been a gas leak and it'd been reported and fixed. Blokes were like, yeah, well, it's open some windows, air out the room, but it's all sorted. Gas leak's been fixed. And we're like, well, good, well, good, we'll keep filming. And I'm stood there watching them wire up this squib. And I sort of go, oh, fuck's sake. Turn to my AD Lee and I'm like, doing the squib, aren't we? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's a gas leak, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, so it's a spark, isn't it? <laughs> and he's like, oh, God. And he's like, calls over Talia, the producer, and he's like, and we explain the same thing. We're like, gas leak, squib. And you could see her face sort of contort a bit as she was trying to murder her own conscience. And she's like, oh. And we were like, well, okay, let's call the bloke over and be like, mate, it's been a, been a gas leak. And he was like, don't worry about it. It ignites in liquid, so there's no spark. And I was like, well, yeah, we don't want, like, you know. I know we, we were killing Mike at that point. That was his uh, killing off a character at that point. I didn't really want him to explode. <laughs> be really hard to explain in the edit that for one scene, Jack has magic powers and just goes, whoop, and somebody just combusts. But uh, I mean, that, but that was quite, I mean, everybody loved the squib. I've got a picture of the DOP, you know, it's quite a serious guy at the best of times who'd been working like a trooper, essentially, like rigging everything and setting everything up, smiling like a kid, covered in all the blood from the squib, you know, just because every, everybody loves an explosion. Everybody loves an explosion. So, like, obviously, you've got a real, you've got a real love of horror for like, a, you know, this is goes back a, a long time. Um, we haven't really talked about too much about your day job, but like, why now? Why have you sort of, why have you done this now? Why have you met not earlier? <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I have worked, uh, I work as an editor doing behind the scenes uh, documentaries for movies, basically. And I've done that for, since I left university. So 17 years I've been doing that. And, in, and I'd always wanted to make a film, but you try and do the sort of channels, like you sort of pre, like about, 10 years ago I wrote a feature that was optioned it was going to get made and then it wasn't and then you sort of lose traction on that and you know they take time like you know writing I mean that one's written pretty quickly it was written within the space of a year but then you've got like your day job you're trying to write features in between and just stuff takes time like you you know so I wrote the group let's say four years ago and then it's then you know I was like oh is it going to get made is someone else going to want to make it someone going to want to option it and it got to the point was like looks like no one wants to option it so I guess I just make it myself really you know yeah. like when when I was like digging around for ideas to do I was like yeah just dust, dust off that one and ultimately although it feels like a little bit later on than I would have liked you know um although Spielberg did lie about his age apparently when he said he directed it was directing a film at 30 he was older than that but I, you know, I'm, I'm seven years past that, so I don't think he was that old. But I did say to myself, I was like, you couldn't have done this without having that 17 years working in the behind the scenes. All the kit we we sort of essentially borrowed, you know, like that came from a kit company, which came from two lovely blokes, Phil and Chris from the plant room, who I have known for, like, yeah, for about 17 years. They've known me ever since I was like 20. And they were like, yeah, okay, whatever you need, you know, come and take it. You know, the uh, post work was done through a friend of mine who I've worked with. 
she was like I've got some friends in South Africa not busy at the moment they were the, they um, left post-production in South Africa they'd been grading like the Antvert videos and they were like yeah well, we've got a bit of spare time never done a feature before so we'll do it you know just yeah give us some points on the back end if it ever makes any money so they they did that over the summer and they did the VFX and things like that so it was it was almost something that couldn't have happened earlier, you know, oh. without it being compromised. I mean, the compromises I made were all to do with time and things like that, but they weren't, it was almost designed to be compromised. It was designed to be quite like small and you know, direct. And, you know, stuff I'd learned through writing, you know, like I wrote scripts before, like, could I have written this script 15 years ago? Probably, probably not, you know. You needed that bit of sort of life and grit and having been stepped on a few times to yeah. really be able to sort of nail the tone. And, you know, like whatever its flaws and the, I'm sure people would like to point out there are many, like when we watched it for the first time, not the assembly cut, the assembly cut was a nightmare, um, but watching like the first, what I would say was the first fine cut for a while, me and Talia turned to each other and we were like, it's a film. It's a, it's an actual it's an actual film it's a film that somebody would watch and not just your mum and go well done stick it on the fridge you know like it is a it's a film it doesn't feel like something that was pulled together out of pocket change and favors you know it yeah it works Definitely. and that was that that was a really great sort of feeling but yeah I don't think I don't think I had the sort of maturity I didn't have the contacts and things to get it made even in the way that I did. No, you made, made, made a movie and it's it's freaking awesome it's like a lot of us don't um one thing last thing i wanted to say about about it um the poster especially is really striking like i'm you know we talk, spoke earlier about vhs covers and stuff like that is that where that sort of way that need you to have that sort of striking visual poster for the actual movie the poster was designed by a guy called shannon ward and he designed, previously designed a poster for a mate of mine's film that he made about in 2010. A guy called Lee Dovey made a film called The Fallow Field, horror film. Great film. And when it came to making the film, I was like, mate, have you spoke to Shan recently? And he was like, um, I said, yeah, you know, keep in touch with him and stuff. I was like, do you reckon he'd do the poster? And he was like, yeah, okay. And he sent the two posters that we settled on for the film. The red one, which is the skull stretching behind it, which is great, you know, and, and that's the sort of image that you like. It's like reminds me a little bit of uh, VHS two, I think, where they have yeah, the skull made exactly right, you know, made out of the VHS tapes. And I was like, yeah, it's brilliant. And he did another one with like blood stains, as the shadows were like blood stains on blue, and both of them are really amazing. Like you know, we I got I've got one over there, printed it off, and it's going to get framed at some point which is nice. It's sort of our, it's sort of our festival poster. Cause I know that when distribution happens, they'll be like, we want something that's a gun and a bloke and someone on a chair and you know, whatever. But at the moment, like, you know, this is this as artwork. I was like, yeah, this is, this is it. And it was probably when he did like a few options and that was one where you were just like, it's that one. That's, that's the film. I suppose what, what's, what's next for you? Like now, now you've got this movie, what are you, What's next for well, and what's next for you in terms of are you making anything else? Are you you going to do anything else? In this so world? we, yeah, I'm hoping hoping to do something else. I mean, we've got I've got a few things sort of in the pipeline with the group. Like we've got we're concentrating on a festival run at the moment because you know that's where you meet people. I mean, we did um, just being at Fright Fest. We were chatting with uh, Sylvia who did follow her. It's not what I thought it was. It's almost like quite a little chamber piece. 
and it has these like um, layers of like you don't really know who to trust in a way that works and um, Jeff Ryan who did Mean Spirited which was on as well I think it was on on a Friday I couldn't make it but he sent me a review copy through it's a nice found footage film where okay. uh, but the found footage film which actually tackles the issue of like well who edited it they actually have an answer for it which after I'd just seen, what was it, last paranormal activity film where they were like, it's a found footage film until we decide it's not. And then it is again. And, you know, sometimes we'll just do a wide on them for no reason. No idea who's holding the camera. So we're starting on that festival journey just to sort of meet people, get talking to people about the film. We've had a few people touch base with us about distribution. So that's sort of something that's kind of ongoing. Like, you know, we just want to we're not in any rush at the moment. We just want to see, you know, go to these festivals, go to Dead Northern like catch up or catch a few films, see what else is sort of happening. Because it's quite an interesting time in horror. Like it's um, hard to pin down, really. There used to be you'd go to Fright Fest and you'd be like, okay, so what is the vibe? And you'd be like, well, I've just seen Cabin Fever, House on a, Th- House on a Thousand Corpses, you know, and lots of kind of like hillbilly horror sort of things, Calvaire and stuff like that. And then you'd go one year and you'd be like, well, mate, I just saw like a load of K horror films of, you know, like that's what this is this year or the slashers back. And these days it's much harder to pin down. I mean, I don't know what you thought. There's a big there. wide spectrum. Like we, I was thinking, you know, we couldn't pinpoint any sort of, which was great for going there. We got an eclectic mix of horror. Basically there was no, but there was nothing, no theme. I, I, um, I, I was expecting to see the sort of like, so obviously you got, you had host, and then you had um, like Dashcam later for what from what they Rob Savage, and you've got a dead stream like this year. Fuck it was meant it. to be a highlight, I heard. It really was, um, and it's sort of like scaling up this sort of like social media found footage like horror that they're sort of producing like Spree and stuff like that. There's, there's, it's, there's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the streamer, isn't it? It's the yeah. streamer. The idea that you know before if you made a found footage film, it had to be attached to a person. Now you can make found footage films without anyone being like why are they still filming and you'd be like have you not been on twitch recently <laughs> like you know that's why they don't film you know like yeah. don't stop filming um so we're going to do the festival run we're going to we've got dead northern at the end of the month which is going to be great we've got a few more in the pipeline that we're uh, waiting to hear from so and hopefully that'll take us well into sort of next year and in the meantime developing a sort of um kind of like a throwback kind of 90s thriller called the it's called the method which just as a vague tagline is about uh, a <laughs> um a woman whose husband has died uh who was of some infamy was like a sort of american sniper style soldier and everybody is like you know husband's a hero and an actor is hired to play him as part of a film adaptation and he goes to sort of stay with her at the house. But it obviously turns out that this actor is bonkers. So it turns into almost like a single white female style thriller as she's got this bloke who is basically becoming her husband and has very strong ideas about how he should go about that. Yeah, which is it's really kind of fun to write. And you, you know, I'm getting back into all those like hand that rocks the cradle, single white female, all those sort of like nineties thrillers that you don't really get so much anymore. They are back. back. They, they are, are coming back. back definitely that's cool so wow. i'd like i'd like that to be the next thing i do also i'd quite like to make a film about uh werewolves on a space shuttle but you can't have it all can you no brilliant mate that's awesome thank you will so much for coming on the podcast mate and that's a great absolute pleasure mate thank you oh 
what a fucking lovely guy, eh? Loads of cool stuff to say, loads of interesting bits and pieces from the industry, the process. I hope you guys really appreciated that conversation because it was really, really in-depth. Um, and go and see the group. And the bloke knows his fucking horror, doesn't he? Fucking does, man. We've got to get him on for a full episode. I hope he's up for that. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I mean I've had a message from him. He's well up for coming back and uh, telling us telling us all about his VHS collection. Fantastic. <laughs> he might show us all up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't have a frauds podcast. we are. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks again, Will, for coming on, and definitely we'll have you back. Cracking job. Okay, now it's time for our movie from the vault. Right, this episode's uh, movie from the vault is uh, the 1998 movie uh, The Ring or Ringu. Um, if you haven't seen this, I mean, it spawned uh sequel, American sequel, Silent starring Naomi Watts, which we hopefully didn't watch. I'm guessing you guys didn't. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a uh, <laughs> little bit of a, you know, introduction to the movie. A reporter and her ex-husband investigate a cursed videotape that is rumoured to kill the viewer seven days after watching it. Seven days! Yeah, fucking hell. Um, oh, okay. First thing I want to talk about is, did we watch the right movie? Because there, I, there's a 1998 ring, and then there's a 1995 ring. What's the fucking difference? They both got the same synopsis, synopsis but the lead, the, the actresses, like, so the lead actress is like turned on its head. I think in the first one, it's done by a bloke, and in this one, it's done by a woman. So we, I'm, is there another ring out there that I haven't seen? Anyone? <laughs> I don't know. I, I watched the. I hope I watched the right one. Now you've got I, me. Guessing. What the fuck's going on? There's so a, right. Oh, okay. Well, so a TV, I, a I know the answer to this. So the 1995 one was a TV film, right? Which oh, okay. spawned the 1998 film, right? And also alongside the 1998 film, they shot a sequel called Spiral, right? Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Which was supposed to come out around the because apparently the TV series got loads of hype, so the film came out with loads of hype. So they thought it'd be a good idea to release a sequel pretty much at the same time. And then what happened was everybody hated the film Spiral, so they went back and then they made Ring Two, <laughs> which basically erased Spiral from the whole continuity. Yeah, because funny enough, I was watching and thinking, am I watching the right thing? Now, and do you know why I thought that, right? Because I thought I'd seen this before, and I haven't. And constantly, I thought, all I could think about was the US remake of it. Do you know what? <laughs> it's funny you say that, because I put this movie on, and I thought I'd seen it, and I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not, because I always get mixed up with the grudge. Right. And I think, and I think I've seen... I think I've actually seen Ring 2 and not the first Ring. Oh, so, wow. Matt, before we go into this, right, there is a bit of a... We, I suppose we share the same thing, and Butch probably to the same extent talk about films a lot, right? And obviously, we worked in HMV, or what you still do, and you deal with this product every day. You have conversations about this product every day. You see the sleeve, the artwork, all that type of stuff constantly, to the point where, and it won't be the only film like this, that you think you've seen it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when you right. actually watch it, go... Hang on. And that's definitely what happened to me. Well, I yeah. knew going in 
that I hadn't seen it because I knew that I had only seen the first American one with Naomi Watts. Right, that's I've seen I, that one. Yeah, right. I knew that, and that really annoying kid of hers. But um, anyway, so I knew that I'd seen it, but I obviously this had I knew this had the same premise, and I've been told time and time again that this movie, the Japanese version, is so much scarier than the American, and I fucking call bullshit. All right, I'm going to put it out there. I call fucking bullshit. I don't know if it's the fucking fact that it was dubbed. I love that. I, I so love we that. watched the same movie. I'm pretty sure. It didn't, fucking, it didn't scare me one bit. And I don't know what the fuck. I don't know if it's like, maybe I'm not scared of the ring. And I'm thinking the fucking rud- the grudge is the one that freaks me out. The grudge is what I remember. The grudge is the one that kind of freaks me out. A yeah, bit the more. grudge definitely freaks you out. So, yeah. there we go. Chat over. Right, should we score it? <laughs> <laughs> so there was, there was a, a meteor, Paul, you were talking about earlier on before the podcast. So maybe that's one of the signs of the end of the world, right? And this could be another sign of the end of the world. I completely agree with everything you just said. <laughs> and you know what? This never happens. I actually prefer the American remake. Uh, I think I did too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't so, expect it. I, no. To be shit in my, I, I, I was getting ready. I watched it in the day in, because I wasn't prepared to watch it in the evening because um, I thought I was going to shit my pants. I've been told, I've been preparing myself for years to watch this movie. I was bitterly, bitterly disappointed. <laughs> All the fucking bits with like the weird face and the, 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 you know, the, the lead up, the phone calls, not even that scary. The, but the, the, the violin, okay, you get the odd violence, you know, thing and the music's great and it's shot kind of good and all of that. And you can see why they wanted to make the movie. But when it comes down to the actual fear, factor like even going into the goddamn well at the end i was like why am i scared why she's going to come up in a minute i kind of know that fine i've seen this before but still there was nothing new that i mean i maybe and I, that, that's my fault for watching the fucking american first but i don't think i would have even been scared watching this one first it just didn't harmoniously join up for me I'm not saying it's a shit movie, I'm sure, because it's clearly, like, spawned a, a whole generation of fucking movies that have been accessible to, like, audiences. And, and maybe I'm one of the ones who's been spoilt. I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to have to watch the Japanese grudge next, and I reckon that will shit me up. <laughs> but, yeah, what? Was, uh, Matt, what, Matt, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it took a long time to get going, this movie. And then, like, I, the main uh, actor in it, I, I wasn't sold by her acting skills, to be quite fair. Um, everyone around her, superb. I just felt that she hammed it up a bit too much. Um, but, yeah, it took, it took a while to get into it. And and I thought I had seen this movie, like we, we like Paul said. I, you know, I do pick up, I've picked up the cover so many times with that face on it, a tartan, extreme version. And, and literally, I, I really thought I'd seen it. And I thought I was waiting for it to get scary. I was waiting for that bit that I've seen a million times on clips. And I thought I thought it happened a lot more throughout the film. But it isn't. It's because I think I've seen the, the, the Ring 2, the American remake, you know, all that. And I was just like, oh, OK, is it going to actually get kickstarted? You know, you know, when's the scary bits coming in? Because it was just like a lot of drama, a lot of of talk and 
let's go here and let's go there. Let's leave my son at home when he clearly shouldn't be at home at that age. <laughs> what the fuck? But those Japanese like horror movies, they kind of are like even like I, I'd even go as far as to say like the audition, like audition has that long like um, lead up to a fucking very disturbing moment, but it's a drama, and this is kind of a drama with like sometimes a fucking weird face thrown in. I didn't feel, I didn't feel the tension, and I wasn't sold by the fear. There wasn't, I think Naomi, I mean, Naomi Watts is an incredible actress for a start. And I think she sold it to me a lot more. So there we go. Nobody watched this podcast anymore. I'm sorry. It just didn't fucking do it for me. Did not think, do it for me. I think, though, the time it came out, so I think, I, I don't, I think it just hasn't aged well. I genuinely do. I think the American Ring film, I know it's not the one we're reviewing, but I think it was more of a straight-laced horror film. It brought more horror. Um, even with the way coming out of the well, which is the sort of scariest bit of this film, it was done better for me. Um, but I think the the commentary on it, like I think it is to do with obviously that time the internet was just getting started, and I think there was this thing because remember there was like the ring and pulse, um, and there was another one about Dark premonition, water. right? And all that type of stuff came out along the same time, yeah. and it was a lot to do with was like the advancements in sort of technology and the scariness of you know, sharing media and all this type of stuff and what that can get you into. So I think there's a bit of that type of stuff going on. But obviously we're, what, nearly 30 years later, all that's gone and it doesn't really seem relevant anymore to make you even slightly tense. Because you're right, I, th- I thought there was... A, actually, funny what you said about the sound, like the violin, I thought the sound was probably the best bit of the film. Cause yeah, it was really yeah. quiet, really quiet. There's no music, no score. And then all of a sudden it just really came in. And I thought that was quite creepy and, and sort of built a bit, but it didn't really go anywhere. And yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit boring to be honest. And then, and, and, and unfortunately, because I, I was just replaying the American version in my head, and this never happens. Normally, you go, "This is shit. This is shit. This is shit." The remake, I'm going to watch the original. It was the other way around, and it was a bit like, "Well, this was done better, and this was scarier, and this was, you know, even the faces being pulled, like." There was no special effects or practical effects. It was just somebody gurning their face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there was nothing really like, oh, they just stopped breathing, but they pulled this really funny face. Um, I think the positives out of this is it it is a fucking great idea. It is a great idea. It's a weird weird idea. Like the whole premise of, like, uh, what's her name? Sadako? Sadako, is that how you say it? Like her... Her having these sort of weird powers that she can instantly kill people, and somehow, I mean, the fucking, there was a brilliant moment in this movie, like a comedy whack. Do you know when, like, the, the bit where, like, you see the dad, like, whack her with a little baseball bat and throw her in the well? That was yeah. fucking comedy, man. Even the comedy sound on it. But, like, it, it is a cracking idea, but it's so weird. Because it's just like, there's nothing, there's nothing like it before, really, with like the whole 80s horror and stuff like that. It's so unique in, in that premise. And they did that, that is the one thing that has really got going for it, that it was unique. And maybe like in 1998, if I'd sat there, um, and like got this video and watched it, I might, I don't know, maybe I would have felt differently. I'm not really sure. I definitely shat myself watching the American version. <laughs> but even the psychic stuff. So again, obviously that wasn't in the American version, but like the whole, ESP stuff and then he, it was more of like an abuse tale for the American version wasn't it where she was yeah. kept in like a lot like a basement and abused but the 
I find it really weird. Her ex-husband, obviously, who comes along with the ride, just randomly, has got psychic powers. <laughs> but it's never really... I thought they both did. I I thought they both. It wasn't psychic. I thought if they touched something, they sort of saw something that would happen. Yeah, could sort of see what sort of like had happened or experiences and all type of stuff. But it just didn't really. It it was like it was sort of revealed when he went to see that old man on the island. Going, Matt, what what do you think? You're being quiet. I don't know. I mean, it's just it's. I don't know, it's all really slow for me. It's just too, I think it's because we've had so much content and, and there was this massive like thing of all these Japanese horror movies and then all these remakes and then, and the horror got more uh, horror over the last 10 years has progressed like crazy. And, and you know, I, I totally respect that this brought, um, Asian cinema over. Um, and it, it you know, I completely get that, but, with this movie, I just, I just, I, I don't know whether it, I've been desensitized from, and, and I need more. And maybe back then, if I'd watched it when I was like, I don't know, if I'd watched it when I was like 13 or 14, maybe it would have been a bit more scarier, but there was no, it was like you said, there was no, there was no scary set pieces for me, really. It's just like, yeah, it's a bit weird. Even, I remember even watching the wow sequence in this, in this movie. You barely see her come out of the well. But obviously in the remake, and I know we're going back to that again, you see more of it. You see more of her coming out of the well. The one, um, th- the one thing that did, another thing that did very well was the, uh, the, 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 the poster art and like the, the eye. Like that bit, <laughs> that one bit, but it had that, you can't fucking go on a whole movie on, on just one bit and the freaky fucking eye. That was really weird. And like the person who, like, it, it, I thought it's all, but it's, the whole disjointed thing is obviously more the grudge, right? Then, than than she just creeps along. So I thought she no, came out. The, I thought she, she came out of the TV more weird. Yeah, so I think they highlighted it more in the American version. Yeah, it's more the, of the it. jankiness of her walking. Yeah, yeah. They they yeah, amped it up. More. They've amped it up. Yeah. 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 They, they, they definitely did it. Yeah. It's wow. Fun. I think the best thing about this film is the legacy it created. Yeah, definitely. Like like what Matt said, bringing. Asian cinema, Asian horror into the mainstream and like really, you know, thrusting it on upon people. And I think back in the day, yeah, probably people did like fall for the, you know, that like child camp campfire ghost story. There's a radio tape if you watch it, you know, because that like that like you said that idea and concept is quite scary, you know. Yeah. You can imagine being at one of Paul Butcher's sleepovers. They haven't been mentioned for a while. <laughs> you know, watch this videotape and see what happens. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know, it's still going on. I mean, the effect of this movie is still going on today. VHS. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like it's centred around VHSs being found. And it's 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 definitely got things from the ring in, in there, you know. And it's, so it has influenced a lot of stuff, yeah. you know. And it's a scary idea, you know, the fact that the only way to sort of like like figure it out is like she copied the video and she got it like somebody that's i remember like that you had to copy video so she did that with her son cop get him to copy video and pass it on the video has to continue the curse has to continue i i I, I would be all right with that because i I used to do that when i was a naughty little boy i used to do the old tape to tape so i'd probably be all right who would you give it to but it's it doesn't start films because it um, it follows, but it's essentially the ring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like See, that this concept. Is what I'm saying. Of, this is what I'm saying. Like yeah. you said, it's had such an influence over things 
you know, so it's made, it has made, you know, a legacy in itself for other things to come on. But everything's like that, isn't it? Music's like that. It needs somebody to come along and change the game a little bit. And it did, you know, positively, you know, I know we're, we might be bashing it a little bit, but yeah, you're right. It is about the legacy that it brought on afterwards, isn't it? Definitely. But you can't dine out on a legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some fucking goddamn! I want. I was. Is it, I'm disappointed. I thought I was going to fucking sit there and claw my eyes out, man. Watching. <laughs> claw my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, really nice. like, really not looking forward to watching this one. I thought I was going to poo my pants. <laughs> right, let's have some Matt's facts. Okay, here we go. Um, the effect of Sudeiko coming out of the well was accomplished with only one simple special effect. Um, Rai Inu who is a student of the Kabuki Theatre, which uses exaggerated motion and jerky movements to emphasise emotion, was heavily involved in the development of Sadako character. Aneo was filmed walking backwards and the film was run in reverse and at the end result, Sadako was walking forward with unnatural motions. Um, in the 2001 UK DVD release back cover, carries a disclaimer. Um, stating that the distributor accepts no responsibility for any injuries, fatalities that may occur during the viewing of this. Which is quite funny, I thought. Backing themselves up there. I'm going to fuck this name up completely, but Shizuku Yamamuri is based on a real person. Shizuku Mifun, who was born in 19, sorry, 1886 in Kama, Kamamoto, uh, and was rumoured to have the gift of foresight. After the demonstration in 1910, she was proclaimed a charlatan and committed suicide a year later by ingesting poison, not jumping in a volcano. There you go. (laughs) At the time of this film's release, it was the highest grossing horror movie film in Japan's history. Um, The close-up of Sudoku's eye near the end of the film was performed by a male crew member, and had he had to chop off his eyebrows, sorry, eyebrows, eyelashes, to make the shot more disturbing. Um, oh, this is quite interesting. Uh, the entire film production only took nine months and one week to finish. According to director Nakata, uh, the script and pre-production process took three or four months, shooting five weeks, and post-production was four months. Last one. On its 1999 Hong Kong release, Ringu earned Hong Kong three, sorry, 31.2 million Hong Kong dollars. In the US, that's four, uh, about $4 million during its two-month theoretical run, making it Hong Kong's highest grossing Japanese language film. This record was then later beaten by the Stand By Me, uh, uh, I think it's pronounced Doromon, in 2014 and 2015. Mm, and that's the Matt's facts. That is some fucking facts, man. <laughs> right, yeah. let's rate this bad boy. I'll hand over to you first, Geordie Paul. I'm going to go down the middle, 5 out of 10. And I, to be honest, it probably just gets all that for what it spawned. But yeah, it, it was pretty boring, pretty lame, to be honest. But film of its time, that just hasn't translated. I feel so harsh to give it like an average score for what I did, but yeah, for me it's a it's a five. Yeah, I think I'm I, I um I'm a five as well because I just like 
I thought I'd seen it and I hadn't. It's crazy. But yeah, five five breaths out of ten. Right then, dude. Bring us back up. What you got? What you got for us, Matt? It's your oh, go. I don't know, man. Do you, right. I'm going to give you guys the option. We're going to go old or new. What do you want? <laughs> do you know what's going to happen again, don't you? <laughs> Paul's going to go old. I'm going to go new. <laughs> well, go okay, on. Then. You, go you both decide. And then I'll I'll... Go Should we go new? Let's I'll go, go new. new. Okay. Let's go new. So, on the next movie from the vault, we will be doing The Strangers. Oh, that's should have bought that news earlier. They're bringing a fucking... Third one yeah. out, yeah. No, 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 they're doing a new trilogy. They're going yeah, back, no, yeah. going back yeah, to the beginning, isn't there is a third one as well, yeah. It's only out in, what, 2008? Was it 2008? 2008 was Strangers, and then we had a, a second one, which was called Pray at Night, I think it was called. 2008. It's really good. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't got that on DVD, I do believe. So, yes. I'm, I'm happy with that. That's a, that's I remember this film shitting me right up at the cinema. So, yeah, <laughs> thanks for that, man. Good point, nice, man. good. Awesome. That was a good episode, man. Lovely conversation, lovely interview with uh, Will Higo. Lots of cool shit there. Watch the fall. I'm moving on to episode 113. We are bringing you... Don't, don't worry, darling. Um, our something to scream about. We will give you a lovely surprise. Um, and our move from the vault... Matt's just pulled The Strangers. Thank you to everyone for listening. There's only one more thing to say. When there's no more room in hell, here's another podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. You can follow us on Twitter at DrawOneLast, Instagram at DrawOneLastBreath, or pop us an email at DrawOneLastBreathPod at Hotmail.com. <laughs>